Are you looking for a practice coach? If you are, go to ptpracticesuccess.com. At the very top of the page, there's a button. Just click on that to find out more. My name is Sean Kirk. I'm a physical therapist. I had a practice in Cincinnati and built that thing up. Um, I started um, sneaking around in the afternoons with patients who own businesses and helping them grow their businesses and started to pick up chiropractors and dentists and gosh, gee, um, dry cleaner, uh, um, gosh, what else did I work? Travel agencies, variety of different companies, by and while running my practice, right? Just to have some fun because I only saw patients from seven to nine in the morning. Uh, my other guys did most of the care and I ran the clinic. So that that worked out very uh, comfortably for, uh, for for what I was doing. And then I decided one day I wanted to sell the practice. I wanted to actually help other people in business. So initially I started out um, with a variety of different random clients and then kind of started working exclusively with physical therapists. So if you don't know anything about me, um, reach out to me and I'll send you a link and you can find out a little bit more about me. But I'm assuming if you're here, maybe you've seen some things in the um, in the group and you've come to know me or you've been a client of mine at one time or another or now, right? So what I'd like to kind of share with you some things that I find because I've been in so many different offices. I have been in, um, gosh, I've been in over 300 by this point, PT practices um, and rehab facilities to, to be able to see some things and, and gather a perception. Because when I walk into a clinic, I don't walk into the clinic like, you might walk into the clinic every day. It's a familiar surroundings. You notice things or you don't notice things. When it's very familiar, we don't begin to notice things. So what I notice is if my patient's morale is low, the practice isn't doing well. Now, you might go think, you, when you thought about this topic of morale, we thought maybe we would be dealing with staff. Yeah, we are dealing with staff, but we're mostly dealing with patients. And the impact that we can make on those patients and the impact that can make on your practice so what I thought, instead of getting like into meat and potato, this is how we do it. You know, um, I find a lot of people are like look, looking at how to get into the right mindset to be successful and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm into the mindset of being successful, but I'm into the doingness that are nece- necessary to become successful. And I kind of like, mm, there's mindset, get busy. And then here's what we do to actually make it happen. So I just want to take up more of a, maybe a looser subject here in the subject of morale and go over some things that I find that can be very, very helpful to you day to day. You may be doing it, but you may not look at everything the way I would see it. So I, I wrote down some things just to keep myself in the, in the group. If you hop on these things, and want you to know, I try to be in and out in 30 minutes, right? So I, you know, not like I rehearse anything, uh, right? But I've just done so many things workshops wise. I kind of have a mental like, clock in my head, I guess, right? So we'll figure this out. We'll probably end right about 30 minutes, okay? Now the pressure's on me to, to make that happen, right? But I can end earlier if you're happy. So so we'll just keep on moving. Feel free, you know, to, to pop a question in or, you know, ask something if you, you have a, any kind of question that you'd like to share um, to make sure that I cover uh, in the call. Okay. Very well. So thanks for being here. Right. So what I want to talk about is the impact of morale and financial growth of your practice. Okay. So, um, I find that when we treat patients in a room, um, the patient becomes more like account, the visit becomes more like a counseling session. 
they're stuck in their problems, their aches and their pains, and they're really not involved in the community of physical therapy. And I'm not like I want to have people with their clothes off in the middle of the gym or something like that. If you need to be private, absolutely, you need to be private. But if you treat in rooms, you know I'm right. You get a patient in the room, they think you have they you you they can they're free to tell you anything because there's nobody else there but you. And you get yourself caught into um, having to raise that person's morale. Now, I've noticed years ago that if I can get the patient to become more upbeat, more alive, more engaged, they tend to get better. You know, I was in the search of how many con ed courses I can do a year, how many letters I can get after my name. Then I hired this new grad, lovely girl, outgoing personality, patients loved her, phenomenal results, and had mittens on her hands. We couldn't palpate movement, movement between L5 and S1. So it was like, what, what, what's, what's the deal? I don't get that. Well, you know, it's physical therapy is a science practice as an art. And that art is your ability to communicate. And when you close a patient into a room, um, if it, honestly, if you're in public health, my gosh, you know, don't even text me, right? I get it. If you're in public health, you're in certain areas where you really have the patient uncovered. Yeah, um, be, be very aware. I, I try to be more modest than the patient will ever be. So that way I'm always covering them, protecting them, closing the curtain, all those things. But that being said, as much as possible, if you can put the patient in a much more open environment and get them interested in another person's situation, be it another patient, another staff member, get that other staff member to have attention on another, on another patient, and create a, a little bit of a community. Because what you want to be able to create when it looks at morale, you want patients who feel better the moment they walked in. The moment they come into the clinic, you want them to feel like um, they're happy to be there. If it's like dead man walking to come to physical therapy and you see the patient walk in and they're like, they look like Eeyore, you are not doing your job. Now you go, well, what, what about them? Well, you, they have something to bring to the table. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you are responsible to lift their morale. They're in your clinic. And if you create a positive um, bonding with the patient, you're going to get them to actually stick with you, refer to you, and name their babies after you, right? So um, so we want to define more like the psychological impact here, what we're talking about, right? So when you you increase the patient's morale, they become more engaged in their therapy, not only in just doing an exercise or something like that, but engaged with asking questions and why that is and how can I modify things at home um, because they are engaged with you because you worked to lift their morale. You know, I have a client that I've worked with a while and, you know, we were having some troubles with trying to kind of break through a ceiling as far as growth, but it, we were we were manned up. It looked like everything could be really well. And so I just told the director, I said, do me a favor, just go in the corner um, someplace and face out <laughs> to the group, have a seat and just watch the interaction. And you tell me, is this an uplifting place or not? And he went, he went and did the exercise. He goes, it's not uplifting at all. It's like, you know, whispering tones to patients um, between station and staff and not to say we didn't want to be um, 
as private as we can be in our communication, but we really want to engage. And so this guy out there and goes, man, and then he noticed people, noticed certain staff members were, okay, now come on over here. Okay, oh, now we need to do doing this. Okay, all right, now what I want you to do is be, do, and it's like nothing that shows that I love these people was coming out. And they won't love you and they won't love your practice until you love them first. I know it sounds weird, right? Maybe it's more of a mindset thing, but you know, but you, you, when you hire somebody that doesn't like people, you should fire that person, okay? So I'm, I want to count on all of you as clinicians and your team as staff to own the responsibility of lifting up every staff member's morale. So um, it, uh, it does increase their willingness to follow through with their program, follow their plan of care, follow their exercises because you have engaged with them in the process, right? So then, um, you know, what do we do? How do we implement that? What, what kind of changes do we make, right? Well, part of it is being a good listener. It's, uh, it's like when someone gives you an objection, an objection could be, I, I don't have time for this. Uh, uh, Joey's got a soccer game. I can't make it to therapy, right? Um, I don't think this is working, right? That's an objection, right? Of some sort, right? Something that they originate that they're, um, that concerns them, that bothers them, right? So how do you handle those types of things is important when you're looking at raising morale. The first thing is that you have to understand it. So a patient says, oh man, this is so expensive, right? Well, certainly we can just acknowledge that. We understand that it's expensive, right? So we can go, yeah, it's expensive, right? But what's the underlying thing that they're sitting on? It could be that they're actually trying to figure out how to cut back on their care, right? They're trying to back out. They're trying to come in once a week or once a month or, or, or something like that, right? So the patient says, um, gosh, you know, you know, it's, it's really expensive to come to therapy. Yeah, I understand what's going on. Well, you know, and then they tell you their story and now you are closer to them, right? You're engaged with them versus I totally understand it's really expensive, you know? Um, you could say that, that's, that, not to say that that would be bad, but like if someone gives you an, an, a, an objection, how do you handle it? Like if someone said, you know, a friend said something along that line, you, you go, what makes you say that? If he goes, well, that physical therapy is expensive. He tells it to a friend. You know, the friend goes, well, what do you mean? How much, how expensive is it? What, don't you think it's worth it? Or is it helping you? Those kind of questions are so worthwhile saying to your patient when you get an objection, right? So how do we address those? We have to listen actively. We have to have empathy for uh, our patients as we work with them. Um, we, our communication needs to foster some trust, okay? Now, how do we do that? I think if you're just engaging with a person, that trust actually occurs. And when that trust is strong and they believe in you, you should be getting a bus backed up with people coming to your door. I mean, if you're not consistently getting referrals from patients, you know, work on your active listening, your engagement with patients, your, your, your ability to make the patient feel like the most important person in the room. Um, I, I mean, not to say you don't, but sometimes we think we do really well, but we don't look. Now, I've, over the years of being a consultant and trainer for private practice owners in practice management and marketing, I've actually taken clients on the road with me um, to visit practices, right? Like next week, I'm going to Vancouver to see a practice that's a big personal training facility, but they're actually bringing in, uh, they 
purchase the seven physio PT clinic, right? So, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to have a set of eyes that they don't have. I'm going to be able to see things that they can't see. So you, we can also oftentimes prejudge that we've got this going on. We are the best, right? I've never talked to a physical therapy private practice owner who didn't think they were the best. It's like, well, how do you guys think you rank and compare to other people in the area? Oh, we're the best. It's like, well, somebody's got to be the worst, right? So, um, but if, if we could just step back and take a, a genuine look at our, our own practice and how, what is the perception? Not like how care is being delivered. Forget that. I'm talking about like what we're looking for is not how care is being delivered, but what does it look like to the patient? How does it feel to the patient? Are they engaging? Are the therapists looking at the patient or are the therapists looking over that at that much more interesting conversation over here? Because that patient will see that, okay? So rules of thumb, you know, in regards to lifting up morale, the patient is the most important person in the room. The patient you're working with is the most important person in the room. Walk through, if you got a good, decent sized staff, you walk out into the gym and you watch that interaction. Is that therapist engaged with his patient or is he engaged with somebody else's patient? So our policy back uh, a million years ago when I had my practice, uh, we had um, a very simple rule. If my patient engages with that conversation, I'm allowed to. If that patient does not engage in that conversation, I am not allowed to. See that? So that became interesting to the patient. They go, oh, well, that's cool. When did you go? How was it? And all that. And that engagement takes place. I can be a party to that conversation. I can be in there with both of them. It's a very simple rule. But when you go and observe it, um, you could see a big difference. Now, sometimes you could see a high morale staff with low morale patients. Wrong target. We're paying attention to our staff members. We're not paying attention to our patients, right? When I, I worked a couple of years, uh, three years in private equity, right? And um, that was an interesting experience. I learned a lot. If you ever want to set your practice, I know a lot about how to get the most out of it. But I would tell you during that time I was doing that, I had traveled around. We had 187, 186 locations at that time. Right? So there was a lot of hopping about, you know? So um, I've been to a lot of places, right? As a VP of operations. And so, you know, I could go into the space and I would watch the clinical staff on the floor and I'd watch those patients and you go, they're like this. The patients are all like, the staff are all like, hey man, did you go to the party last weekend? And the staff, the patients are over here like laying on treatment table or doing exercises and the, the clinicians walked away. You know, it is part of the entire patient experience to that engagement with the patient. Now we're so busy right now, you know, in order to survive, you can't do one patient an hour and really make it. I mean, my God, if you're doing one patient an hour, then you aren't going to make it. That's all there is to it. But if you um, have, um, but if you have this volume where you actually have to see more people to be as viable as you were, say, 10 years ago, right? You have to make that concentrated patient experience profound. It's less time, more quality. And the more qualities in that communication skill, that engagement skill, the lifting of the patient to, 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 to move their attention off of their emotional stress and all that other stuff too. Um, okay, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's do that. How was your weekend? What did you do? Share some things. Be engaged. Now, do we do this? We 
we do some of us do this better than others the answer is yes you got a clinic with several clinicians you can see who's the who's the best one and that guy or gal who's the best one has the best case acceptance in other words patient compliance they have best arrival rate i bet money and best arrival rate their visits to discharge are um, you know, a skosh better than the other guys right because patients don't discharge the therapist right and they um are more apt to refer a friend or family member you can't have a patient of low morale send you 26 patients like i have right so you have to be able to influence um that and you have to bring that into you um certainly practice owner and into your clinicians and um like I, I talked to somebody uh, not long ago who said that he he had I don't know, maybe six therapists, right? And he was really happy about this interview that he had um, with someone, right, to take a job, right? And he said, because she's so upbeat, I think she will help the morale of the team. And I went, you know, you have a team morale problem? He goes, well, I mean, they do their job and everything, but it's just like they're, you know, it, it's kind of dry. I go, oh, well, that's a problem. Now, it doesn't mean his metrics were bad. It doesn't mean anything. It's just the potential of what the practice can do can be um, hindered by not understanding your job is to get the patient better. Now, heck, I tell you what, I've I've um I've done things on the patient's shoulder that anybody with like their first clinical could do. And go and, and say, look, if you're 50, probably 50% better by tomorrow afternoon, uh, I'm going to be shocked, right? And they'll call me. But matter of fact, call me about three o'clock. Let me know. They call me and go, I'm not quite 50% better. I'm good 30% better. And it's like all you did was an inferior glide of the shoulder, right? So um, you and your voice and your intention has a lot to do with how the patient's experience is going to be, what their outcome is going to be like. Um, I, 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 I have never fired a new grad. I've fired many seasoned therapists with tremendous skills, right? But they couldn't get people to keep an appointment, couldn't get a referral to save their life, right? And patients tend to discharge themselves, right? I've had new grads that would, you know, be all freaked out if a patient blew off a Friday appointment, call them on Monday, you know, or when they come in on Monday, I was worried sick about you. I thought maybe I hurt you on Wednesday. And the patient's like, uh, no, I'm really sorry, right? because that genuine care factor and that love for patient was very much there and very strong. Over the years when we treat patients, da, 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 next, next, you know, we see so many patients that we kind of blur, we can blur to, it's a first time experience for them, but it's your 3,000th experience for you, but it's the first time for them. And they're going to see things that you don't see. They're going to see the messiness of your office right? They're going to see things on the floor that shouldn't be there. There could be things that uh, is not messy in your mind, but absolutely a pigsty in theirs, right? Great thing to do to kind of really take a look at the picture and things that can infect someone's morale is to take all your staff outside and go, okay, guys, we're walking in for the fresh set of eyes. Um, I want you to look like a patient, like look at things like a patient. It's your first time in the clinic. I want to get your honest assessment of what you see that we should change or improve. And most of the time, people are aghast. They walk in and they see things. Now, you know, you know I'm not trying to call, call anybody out, but, you know, and I won't. I don't know who's on this call or who will actually listen to this. So, you know, having the, um, having the ability, right, 
to um, like look at things in a brand new set of eyes. Now I did this in, in a practice in Texas and uh, years ago, we all walked outside because it was the messiest place I've ever saw. Just absolutely big time. And, and no awareness of how bad it looked and um, good size practice, right? And we all walked outside and go, I want you to be a patient. First time you've ever walked in here, you got a very painful back. You're really afraid because they're going to poke it with their fingers and thumbs and um, come on in. Nobody can talk. Okay. So I'm just going to walk, walk you through the clinic. And I walked everybody in the waiting room and I went like this to get people to look around in the waiting room. They look around and they see magazines under the dad, under the chairs and, you know, generalized mess here and there. And um, they're, they're um, very much like um, shocked. They're like, I go, shh, can't say anything. Walk up to the front desk, all cascaded charts, disorder, nothing, baskets with like a foot tall a pile on it that, you know, could make one think that that's probably my claims not getting paid. Um, walking into the gym area and seeing all kinds of disarray, right? We walked back, we sat down in the seminar space, everybody sat back down. I go, so, so guys, what's your thoughts, right? And one tech goes, this place is a pigsty. I go, yeah, it's not good, right? So what part of the program, big part of the program was to team up and file things, route things, or pitch things and go through the entire practice and do that exercise. And they had a 30% growth in their practice about three months later. Just started boom, 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 taking off. It could because a clutter actually captures your attention. And when you see a clutter capturing your attention, it affects your mood and it affects your patience. So it might not seem like a big deal to you, but I'll tell you what, if you could make the, I walk into your practice as a patient and everything looks orderly, I'll be more, I'll have more affinity for you and your practice. I'll have more respect for what you might say to me and address and, re and request me to do by just focusing on those kinds of things, right? So <clears throat> the, um, of course, we want to treat our patients as individuals, not just cases, which of course we do. We do treat them as individuals, right? Um, so, and we want to um, make sure the patient is heard and feels valued. It's just on my notes, okay? So um, they, they feel heard and they're valued, right? And, and um, that could be um, done in a number of ways. I mean, if you've been treating for a while, you probably have patients come back to see you, right? Generally in any practice doing halfway, do a good job. 50% of the patients that you're treating today, you've treated in the past, or they're a friend or family member of somebody you treated in the past. And that word of mouth is so powerful, but yet, most of us don't do anything to make that happen, except create a positive patient experience and do a good job, right? So when you really look to lift morale, you're going to find that the volume of referrals are going to go way up. If I walked in and maybe even I didn't get a whole lot better, but it was like everybody was looking at it and taking a look at me and trying to help me and contributing to my health and my well-being, I'm going to say positive things, even though I never got better. As a matter of fact, you see patients all the time. It never got better the first time, but they come back again. It's like it's like the criminal returning the scene of the crime. Like, how does that even work, right? But you'll see that all the time. You'll see patients like, I didn't fix that guy's shoulder. And here he is, and he comes back again. So you'll have all of these types of experience that will occur. What's the key thing underneath it all? The key thing is you created an uplifting, high morale experience 
for that particular staff member. So as far as the takeaways, you know, from this little chit chat with y'all is um, that um, we want to focus not on our staff morale, we want to focus on our patients morale. Now, I will want to say a little thing about uh, staff morale. Uh, I've had people say, you know, I want to put bonus systems to increase their morale. Do not. It will never work. You'll just have less money, right? You reward production and you, you don't reward people that with, I don't know, it's all about the dinner. We're going to go bowling on Friday and, you know, have all these like social events to improve morale. You can do those things, but you don't do them to improve morale. If you have a morale problem, you generally in your clinical staff, in your staff members, if you have a morale problem, you have a production problem. They're just not busy enough. If you'd like to know how to make your guys busier, um, if you'd like to know how to boost that practice to another level, I encourage you just to reach out and get a hold of me. I mean, there's a million ways you can, so I don't need to go into it here. So um, if um, there's nothing else, it doesn't look like there's anything else. So here I am. I'm three minutes to spare. You guys take it easy. We'll catch you next week. Bye. If you like what you heard today, consider our coaching program. Go to ptpracticesuccess.com and click on the link at the top of the page.